0: Hello, I'm Carrie Ann. Welcome to another service with Pastor Ray Dieter at Grace Baptist Church. Please check out our website, gbcevansville.org. There, you'll find videos of our youth and children's services, daily devotions, and other ministries our church has to offer. We invite you to join us on Sunday mornings for an in-person service where we'll practice social distancing and follow safety guidelines. Now, let's hear what Pastor Ray has to say. But uh, it's fall, so we can expect that. Uh, I want to apologize. There was no outline there this morning, and the reason for that is I had planned to preach on John 16 before I left, and and, uh, uh, when I came back, I saw that Nick had preached on John 16 and John 17. And uh, of all things, the Sunday he preached on John 16, we didn't get it taped. It didn't work. And so I, haven't, uh, I looked at his outline and everything. And I wrestled all week and was trying to change. But I just couldn't get my, uh, the Spirit wouldn't let me change. And so I want us to go to John 16, two particular verses. Uh, beginning with the 16th verse. And then we'll jump down and read the 22nd verse. This is Jesus speaking. A little while and you will not see me. Again a little while and you will see me because I go to my Father. And then the 22nd verse, therefore you now have sorrow, but I will see you again. And, the, and your heart will jo- rejoice and, your, and the, your joy no one will take from you. We've been talking on Sunday mornings before I left for a brief vacation, we've been talking about the fact that uh, in the New Testament, there are uh, several I will passages where Jesus gives us guarantees He gives us prophecies. He gives us an insight into what he was intending to accomplish and did accomplish here on earth. And this particular passage is one where Jesus is speaking to his disciples uh, before his death. And as he's speaking with them, uh, he gives them one of these I will passages that basically he is saying that he is going to do something. And because he is going to do something, something will happen in their lives. He basically says, because I will, you will. And what he tells them is that there's going to be a time of sorrow. There's going to be a time of sadness because he is about to be offered up as a sacrifice for all man's sin on the cross. And he is about to die. And and one of the things I want us to understand this morning is that nothing, absolutely nothing, ever ever took Jesus by surprise. He knew his destiny when he was born in a manger. He knew why he had come. He knew what his mission was. He knew how the task would be accomplished. And he had, he had a great uh, tendency to talk about that in ways that he hoped the disciples would understand, but they just didn't. But once it happened, then they remembered what he said, and they understood. One of the things he did often was he talked about the sign of, of Jonah, the sign of Jonah. If you go to Matthew 12, in Matthew 12, he is talking about this. Uh, and I would tell you one of the things that, uh, that you need to understand is that this is an, when Jesus talks about the sign of Jonah and he talks about these things, it is actually an endorsement of the, uh, of the Old Testament. Jesus saying, this is a true story. This really happened. Th- this is something that, that God gave us as an example of what is about to happen. He's speaking to them and, um, and it says, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. In other words, they prove that you are who you are. Prove that you are sent from God. Prove that you're a prophet. Prove these things to us. But Jesus answered and said to them, As an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will r- r- rise up in judgment on this generation and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. He repeats that later in Matthew. He repeats it in, in Mark. In, in Luke, he makes an allusion to it, although he doesn't name Jonah. He tells the same story. And what he's telling them, he is predicting that he is going to die. And he is predicting beyond that, not only is he going to die, but as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish, not a whale, great fish, for three days and then came forth, he will not be held by death. He will not be held by the grave. He will come forth as a, like the sign of Jonah. and And Time and time throughout his ministry, if you read through the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you'll find where Jesus is making these predictions, and he's trying to explain that so that the disciples will understand after it happens what it was all about by remembering what he said before. Uh, For example, he predicted where? If you go to Matthew 16, the 13th verse… He he is talking to his disciples and he asks them the question, who do people say I am? Some of them said, well, uh, some people say Elijah. Some people say John the Baptist raised up again. But Peter blunts forth, he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus tells him upon that rock, upon that truth, not on Peter the rock, but upon that truth, I will build the church. And as he's speaking with them, it goes on, and the Scripture says, Then Jesus commanded his disciples that she, they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. For that time, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things there from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. The Scripture says that he t- turned his face toward Jerusalem, that he told his disciples that it is not scriptural, for a prophet to perish away from Jerusalem. Uh, They told him, uh, one of the scriptures, they said, if you go there, they're going to kill you. And he basically said, I know that, but we're going anyway. So he knew where he was going to die. Uh, He knew how he was going to die. If you go to Matthew 17, 22 to 23. um, Now while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the son of man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men and they will kill him and the third day he will rise again." He said, I'm gonna, this is going to all come about because of betrayal from within. Uh, if you remember at the Last Supper, he talked about that, and each of them in turn asked him, Lord, is it I? And when Judas asked him, is it I? He told him, what you got to do, you do quickly. Go and do it. Uh, he knew he was going to be betrayed. He knew who was going to betray him. Uh, he knew who was going to put him on trial and and sentence him and bring him to death. If you go to Mark 10, 33 to 34. Well, Jesus again, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. If you read the story of Lazarus, when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, uh, the Pharisees have a, and scribes have a meeting together and they say, we've got to do something about this guy. Everybody's coming out to follow him. And if we don't get this under control, the Romans are going to come and take away our place and our power. And so they began from that time in the Jewish council, the religious leaders, to put Jesus to death. And after the betrayal, he is taken before the Jewish council. They have no power of life and death over him. And so they send him on to Pilate, the Roman. And so as Jesus said here, he would be uh, brought to them, the chief priests, and then to the, the Gentiles. Uh, so he not only knew where, he not only knew how, he not only knew when, but he also knew uh, or who. He, he also knew when. Uh, if you go to John 10... I hate it, this is not so you can follow along, but we'll get it out and you can have it next Sunday if you want it, all right? 10, 14, this is Jesus again, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold, Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Listen, none of these people had authority and power over Jesus Christ. He is the all-powerful, sovereign Son of God. And at any moment, he could have put an end to all of this. But as he explains to his disciples in John, he has complete power over his life. Complete and absolute power. And he said, I can give that life up. I can lay it down. But if I lay it down, I have the power to take it up again. Uh, Listen, uh, we like to think we have power over our lives, but we really don't we really don't. I, I saw the doctor, that, I saw three doctors this week, That's, I'm not going to get into that, but I saw one of them at the end, I, I said, well, doc, how am I doing? And he said, you're stable. I'm still trying to figure out what that means. Uh, I said something to Joanna. I, I said, well, he said, I'm stable. She said, you're not as stable as you think you are. And I, but I, 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 I think she was thinking about a mental condition and I was talking about physical condition. I don't think, you know, we, we like to think we have control over things, but we, we really don't. But he did. He had absolute control. And as we read this passage, he said, look, this is a voluntary thing. Uh, I'm going to give my life. I know they're going to kill me, but I'm going anyway. I know they're going to put me on a false trial, but I'm going to stand there anyway. I know they're going to slap me and spit on me and crown me with thorns and make me carry my own cross, but I'm going anyway. I know they're going to nail me to a painful cross, and there my body will die, but I'm going anyway. See, the thing about Jesus' death that we understand, need to understand is not only did he predict it, but it was voluntary. He did it willingly because he loves you and I. Amen. He did it willingly because when he looks at people who are lost, he looks at them with compassion and offers them a life that has changed and that is different. You don't have to change to become a follower of Jesus Christ. You become a follower of Jesus Christ, and he changes you. And the thing we need to remember in all these passages, as we look through them, is that when Jesus spoke of his death, he always spoke also of his resurrection. The sign of Jonah and the whale, three days, and then he's out. Uh, you, You won't see me for a while. There'll be great sorrow, but you will see me again. You understand that his death, burial, and resurrection are so integrated that it is almost as if it is one event. He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried, and then he overcame death on our behalf. He not only covered our sins. But what good does that do if we still live and we still die and we don't have an eternal soul? He covered that by his resurrection. Uh, His sayings were well known. Uh, If you'll remember in the scripture, after he is buried, after his crucifixion, he's buried, the chief priests and scribes, they come to Pilate, and they say, look, this guy said that he was not going to stay dead. He said he was going to raise himself in three days. And so put a guard on the door. That stone that you've rolled away, put someone there to protect it so that they can't come and steal his body away. And what did Pilate, he said, he said, you go make it as safe as you can. Now there's a, there's a statement, you make it as safe as you can. They couldn't make it safe. You see, the resurrection was not from the outside and someone coming and rolling the stone away and stealing his body. The resurrection was from the inside. And it was a simple process. He was dead, and then he wasn't. He was laying prone and wrapped in grave clothes, and then he wasn't. He was gone, and then he was back. And the stone was rolled away. Not to let him out but that we could see in and know he's gone. What did the angel say to the women when they came? Why are you looking for the dead among the living? He's not here. He told you he wouldn't be here. Why are you here? He will come to you again in Jerusalem. That's a paraphrase across, according to Pastor Ray. But it was always an integral part of his death, burial, and and then the resurrection. It was not a surprise. It was foretold by, him himself, he himself. And as he's telling them this in John in the 16th chapter, he's making a very significant point. He tells them, "I'm going to you won't see me for a while. I'll be in the grave for three days." but then you will see me again. His promise to return was sure, and he fulfilled that. He came back and they saw him. Over 500 saw him at one time. They felt his hands and his feet. They knew that he was the Christ, the the Son of the living God, resurrected gloriously from the dead to live forever. And it is the central event of the Christian faith. It is the proof of the deity of Christ Jesus and the reality of his teachings. When he came forth from that grave, it was a positive affirmation that everything he'd ever said was true. And it was an affirmation of his marvelous, glorious power. Look, Elisha raised the dead, Elijah raised the dead, Paul later raised the dead. Jesus raised Lazarus, but nobody raised Jesus. He got up himself. Amen. He raised himself by his own power and his own authority. Lee Strobel, the great uh, Christian apologist says, the resurrection is the supreme vindication of Jesus' divine identity. It's the source of our Christian joy. Amen. What's he tell those disciples? You're going to be sad. There's going to be mourning. There's going to be sorrow. But your sorrow will be turned to joy. Listen, I don't know how your life is. Life can be hard, and it can be difficult. But if you'll let it, Jesus can turn all your sorrow into joy. Not happiness, which is fleeting, but joy that is lasting. What does he tell those fellows in John 16 as he's talking to them? therefore you now have sorrow but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you no one will take from you God gives us gifts and blesses us and no one can take those things away no one can take your salvation away Satan doesn't have that power. He'd like to have you think that. He tempts you and he tries to hurt your witness. He tries to destroy your walk, but he has no power to take you out of the hand of God. And Jesus, as he's talking about this, he tells them, look, look, did he tell them life was going to be easy? No. Uh, out of all these disciples that follow him, only John doesn't die a martyr's death. Someone recently gave me a long list of how all those uh, other 11, after they'd uh, elected another died, Paul was called on the road to to Damascus and he died for Jesus Christ. That's not what he said. He said, in the midst of all this life, there is joy. The supreme example of that is found in Hebrews where it talks about Jesus Christ going to the cross and he said, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the suffering, the shame, and the pain of Calvary. And that's what he does in our life. He he comes into the midst of our life and he brings us joy in the midst of the suffering and the pain and the sorrow. He doesn't make it perfect here. He will make it perfect one day there when we are in his presence. Uh, And and because of that, because of that joy, it also brings in the life of the Christian great hope, great hope. lady asked my father once are you going to heaven and he said I hope so and uh, she she was confused she came to me and I've told this story before I think she came to me and said I'm worried about your dad and I said I'm not worried about my dad she said well he said he hoped he's going to heaven I said you have to understand how my dad defines hope my dad defines hope as a certainty His faith and trust is in Jesus Christ. His hope is in Jesus Christ. So it is not hope like man hopes or like the world hopes. It is hope with a guarantee that it's going to happen. And when he tells them, I'll be gone for a while and you will suffer sorrow, but I'll be back. It happened. Just like he said, he came back. And that is an affirmation of what he tells them next, that as I come back, I'm going to bring you a joy that lasts and a hope that is eternal, a hope that stays and carries us through through the midst of all life's difficulties, problems, and sorrows. Because I will die, you will live. Because I will experience separation and sorrow, you will find joy. Because I'm alive forever, you will find hope. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the glorious story of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, which is absolutely, completely true. The Resurrection, Lord, is the affirmation of the truth of everything Jesus taught and said and did. And so we are thankful for the passage where he tells them uh, that he will be gone for a while, but that he will return. Uh, many times he tells them, let not your heart be troubled. And so we pray, Lord, that we would experience that and rejoice in that joy of the resurrection and the hope that is found in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Thanks again for joining us for another service with Grace Baptist Church. Connect with us using the social media links on our website, gbcevansville.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week.